0: You're listening to The Magic of Childhood, early learning discussions on Little Rockers Radio. Today we are looking at the exceeding themes. The revised National Quality Standard now includes information about the three exceeding themes which services must demonstrate for any standard to be rated as exceeding NQS. To find out more about this, we are talking to Heather Barnes. Heather was awarded an Order of Australia medal in the 2015 Queen's Birthday Honours list for service to early childhood education. She works as a trainer and consultant throughout Australia, assisting educators on their professional learning journey and believes that the national quality agenda is the most significant development for early childhood education and care in decades. She feels privileged to assist educators in their understanding of the requirements of the NQS and the frameworks and to identify quality improvements. That was a long intro. Hi Heather, how are you? (laughs) Hello, Sarah. Thank you very much for inviting me to be part of this podcast. Can we start with the basic question? What are the three exceeding themes which services must demonstrate for any standard to be rated as exceeding NQS? Very good question. Because I'm thinking that there will be some educators out there who perhaps don't
1: know what those themes are. Um, I know that most services uh, would know or service management would know that in order for uh, services to be assessed at a rating of exceeding that they must meet these three standards. And the reason why these have been introduced was because there was a um, feedback during the consultations two years after the introduction of the NQF, and many people felt that there needed to be more transparent clarification around what services need to have in place in order to receive an exceeding rating, and guidance for assessors so that they're more consistent as well in their rating. So as a result, the three themes were designed to provide services as well as assessors with guidance about the sort of practice that could be identified as going above and beyond what's needed to meet the standards. So those three themes, for those who haven't seen them before, are Firstly, that practice is embedded in service operations, that practice is informed by critical reflection, and that practice is shaped by meaningful engagement with families and or the community. So in order to receive an exceeding rating for any standard, assessors will be looking at whether the service is demonstrating practice in each element within that standard that is above and beyond in order for them to get that rating. So also in order to receive an exceeding rating for the quality area, each standard needs to be rated at exceeding. So this is a change from previously because before if you had three standards, you knew, you only needed to have two standards at exceeding in order to get an exceeding rating. But that's been changed now that each standard needs to be rated at exceeding to receive an overall rating of exceeding, they need to have at least four out of the seven quality areas rated at exceeding. So that's more than half the total. And at least two of those four quality areas need to be from quality areas one, five, six and seven. So that's that's not a change. That's always been part of the way that services were assessed for exceeding. But a lot of services don't know that. So those... Four quality areas are considered to be really crucial in terms of outcomes for children. So that's um, program and um, educational program and practice, relationships with children, collaborative partnerships with families and community, and of course, governance and leadership.
0: Do you know percentages on how many centres are rated as exceeding? I don't off the top of my head, but I know where we can
1: find out the answer to that question, and that is to go into the ASEQA website and look for the quality trends. They produce a quarterly document um, every year, so four times a year, that show, uh, and it's a really good document if you're looking for statistics because it it includes a breakdown of quality areas, so how many services are meeting or exceeding in each quality area, and it also gives a breakdown in terms of states and territories, so that's a really useful place to look.
0: So for anyone who's listening who wants to evaluate where they are at, how does a centre effectively evaluate where they are currently?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. And because we always like to think that people are continuously looking at their practice and and wanting to improve, even the excellent services, uh, the ones that are rated at excellent are continuously looking to see, you know, what else. Could we do? Is there something that we could do better, and so on? And I always suggest to services that the first thing that I would do would be to carefully look at the last assessment and rating report, because sometimes when the reports receive, people read it and they think, Oh, good, thank goodness that's over,
0: <laughs> and it goes
1: in a, in a file. Um, but actually, it's really important to look at all of the suggestions for quality improvement that have been included in that report, and then for services to check whether those quality improvements have actually been implemented. The next thing that I'd be doing is uh, suggesting that they review their practice against um, examples of what assessors may observe, discuss and cite that are all in the guide to the NQF. So even if educators and management were familiar with the original guide to the NQF, um, since it was revised it's really important to read the fine print because there's been many revisions at the meeting level as well as the introduction of the information about the themes. And the reason I know about this is because I was asked by a to be one of the writers for the revision. So um, I'm fairly familiar with where that, that um, devils in the details. So yes. it's important for people to really look. So then with the actual self-assessment process, it's really important that everyone's consulted, so children, families, possibly community members, so that there's a realistic assessment based on multiple perspectives. And it certainly can be challenging to get everyone engaged in a process like that. So it's important to think outside the box a bit to find ways that everyone can contribute. Um, so, for example, I've methods that I've seen where people have asked for feedback, they've used clipboards with a question at the top of the page on which families could respond, sometimes using sticky notes um for their responses, and that's sometimes less intimidating than a huge space to fill in.
0: Mm-hmm. I've seen
1: things like a compliments and comments board on which people leave their sticky notes. Another great idea I saw several years ago was um circles of gold cardboard provided for families to write their comments on and a pot of gold with a sign on it saying your feedback is gold to us. Fabulous idea, wasn't it? Are they fantastic ideas? And then a similar idea I've seen used in several services is having le- paper cut into leaf shapes and people write their comments on them and hang them on a tree Or even an easel or a whiteboard that can capture feedback or suggestion boxes. There's lots of ways that people can be encouraged to have a view. Mm -hmm. So the self-assessment and input from others can identify whether um, or where further quality improvements are needed. And then the next step, of course, is to include them in the quality improvement plan and to design steps to actually achieve those improvements. So during that review or a self assessment, it's really important to also identify where everyone thinks that the centre is doing well. And if the service is already doing everything that's expected, uh, according to the guide, then they will be meeting NQS. And this can be summarised in the strength section of the QIP. But one hint for services is it's best not to repeat exactly word for word what's in the guide because assessors know that language really well, but to actually summarise using examples of what they are doing in their service. And then once um, everybody's done all that part of it, And if everyone thinks the service is going beyond and above or above and beyond what's expected at that meeting level, then it's time to look at the exceeding themes to see how the service might go meeting those as well. So in the revised template for the QIP, there's a space for each exceeding theme following every standard. So there's a space for strengths, And then there's a space for detailed explanations of how the service is actually meeting each of the themes.
0: How may these themes be practically applied within uh, education and care services and used by educators? Can you give us some examples of practices that have been identified as going above and beyond what is needed to meet the standards?
1: Um, Look, I do think that uh, there's similarities across services that, that are exceeding, and that is Firstly, that there's a really strong vision um, that everybody within the service has the same um, i guess uh, view of what is best practice and that is very much influenced by the management the leadership at the at the top um, and particularly the edu- the educational leader so if services are supporting the educational leader to work closely with the educators, then a lot of that filters through so that everybody's voice is heard and everybody is on board. So uh, sometimes, you know, you get pockets of excellence. So you might have one room that's absolutely fabulous and then another room that's not. And Mm -hmm. so obviously it's really important that the service overall, um, it's a consistency of practice approach. So I think one of the, the most important visual things and I wish I had a little image that I could send you um, well I do but I can't do it on a podcast um, but the three things uh, interrelate and overlap with one another so I often show educators that it kind of looks like a Venn diagram with three overlapping circles in other words although they're three distinct things that they're looking for uh, they also overlap and interrelate with one another so the first thing that's important for educators and, and the service overall to look at is to really um, drill down into the guidance for each exceeding theme that's provided in the guide. Uh, and the wording of the guidance that's included there has had to be fairly general as it's important, obviously, that it needs to apply to every setting, long care, family daycare, kindergarten and OSH, as well as apply across Australia in metropolitan, regional and remote locations. Mm-hmm. And it also reflects that each service may be going above and beyond in their own unique way. For example, um, one service may have established a relationship with a local Aboriginal group who's given, has helped them um, find a name for each of their rooms in Aboriginal language. Another service may communicate with their families via notes in the lanyard because children are busting in from community each day. So the ways that services connect with families and communities might be completely different depending on where they are. Mm. So... Probably the best way of exploring this is to give you an example. So in the first exceeding theme where practice is embedded in service operations, the first thing assessors will do, obviously, is to read the clip really carefully because they want to read what the service thinks um, that they are doing that's above and beyond under uh, those three themes. And then, of course, they observe during the day, during the visit, and they will have conversations as well. So in the first exceeding theme, the one about being embedded, they're looking to see whether practices firstly align with the services philosophy, also that the principles of practices, they, and they also align with the practices and principles of the approved learning framework, and whether the policies and procedures um, are aligned as well. Yeah. So... Um, So that consistency of practice is about the experience that every child in every room and the practice of every educator is considered. So just as I mentioned before, it's across the service. Mm -hmm. And um, if it's embedded, all educators will have um, a deep understanding of the requirements of that particular standard that they're looking at. and will demonstrate a commitment to high-quality practice at all times. So in other words, it's not just what happens on the day for the assessor. It's something that consistently and confidently happens, regardless of who's watching. So if we look at Standard 1.1, for example, which is the Educational Program 1, it talks about uh, the program-enhancing each child's learning and development and how the service uses the appropriate learning frameworks. whether the program is child-centred and whether all the aspects of the program are used as learning opportunities. And so the guidance in the embedded theme suggests things like all the educators working collaboratively with the educational leader. So services could describe exactly how that happens. For example, how is it collaborative? Mm -hmm. So, does the educational leader spend time observing the program and practice in each room? How are educators encouraged to seek advice or support if they need it from the educational leader? And what does the service, what time does the service allocate for this to happen? What sort of research does the educational leader need to do to stay up to date or how do they do that? And how is information shared with the team? So, um, there are lots of different ways, of course, uh, depending on the context and the uniqueness of the service. But one service I know uses the South Australian um, the 3R document. It's called Reflect, Respect, Relate. And it was a resource that was sent out to all services back in 2009. So they should still be on a shelf somewhere. Um, and it's a way of assisting educators to review their four things, their relationships with children, their learning environments, children's wellbeing, and their involvement in their curriculum. And the the resource um, helps educators to self-assess. And in this particular case, I know that the educational leader goes into each room and assesses those four variables as well. And then they discuss the findings together. So
0: mm-hmm. you can
1: see that, that that is a very collaborative approach. The other, one of the other suggestions in standard 1.1 is that, um, educators are able to explain how their practice and their pedagogy or their curriculum decision making aligns with the service philosophy. So, um, it would be important for services to think about, well, how do we make sure all aspects of our philosophy statement are understood? Um, mm-hmm. are all educators able to explain how the philosophy statement guides their practice. So an example that I saw that I thought was great was um, uh, in actually in a, uh, 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 an exceeding theme on, on a quip was that the service described how their philosophy is reviewed annually and how feedback is encouraged uh, and that the philosophy reflects the current beliefs and values of the staff who currently work there and they talk about how it also guides their policies and procedures and then they give an actual example of how they choose a sentence or a phrase from the philosophy and display it in each room and during the week the educators add a sticky note describing how they do it. So for example, if something is in the philosophy about partnerships with families, then how did they actually work in partnerships with families during that week? So it might be we had a conversation over um, the fact that a child had had a a bad dream the night before. Or, Mm. you know, it's just little things like working with a family who'd lost their child's coat instead of rolling Mm. their eyes and thinking, oh, not again, and why didn't they put a name in it? Actually realising that that's a serious concern for that family and let's help them. And then at the end of the week, they share all of their findings in the staff room so that they can see how each room is actually working in partnerships with families. So that was a really great example, I thought, of how um, they do that. And and it's obviously really important to to know and understand the frameworks. And look, there are there, although the frameworks have been in. Uh, use since 2009 um, there are new educators and people that have returned to the workforce who perhaps were never able to engage in any training around the framework so they've been they've been able to sort of know and understand them just by reading them but an example of exceeding practice may be that a service may write into their orientation procedures that they expect every educator to have reread each of their frameworks before they begin work. Yes. They also might make sure that there are always several copies of the Early Use Learning Framework and the Victorian Early Use Learning and Development Framework in the staff room and regularly discuss particular principles and practices or practice principles depending on the framework. At, at team meetings so that they're constantly focusing on those aspects as well as the learning outcomes. Educators are very familiar with the learning outcomes because they use them to analyse and summarise children's learning. Mm-hmm. And an example would be that they might have quizzes or games or other fun ways for helping everyone to understand, well, what does that particular principle mean? So, Those are just some examples and and obviously it's up to an individual service to describe what works best for them and what they're doing um, that they think is going above and beyond. And so obviously our time is limited today so we can't go through every one of the themes, but hopefully that's given a, a few ideas about how they might approach it.
0: What it highlights to me in those examples is that it doesn't have to be overly complicated, does it? It's just simple reporting and understanding. You don't need to overthink it too much. It's a, it's a simple communication of tasks.
1: Yeah, and look, I think one of the things that is really useful about the self-assessment process is that many times they actually find when they're looking at the exceeding themes, oh, we do that already. Oh, we mm-hmm. do that. Oh, we do that. Oh, we do that. Oh, we do that. So it, it may be very common practice to them but other services have never thought of doing it that way yes. and so that's why the uniqueness of, the, of each individual setting is so important. So even um, services, even management um, structures where you know there might be six or more services all under the same management, each individual service is quite unique and often they don't visit each other and they don't see what each other are doing so they don't realise that it's actually very unique to us that we do that.
0: And that's where networking and the conferences like the Australian Child Care Alliance that you're speaking at are quite handy because centres get a chance to talk to each other and find out what works well.
1: And I think in in relation to that, one of the things that um, people may not know is that the services that have received the excellent rating are always really happy to share what they do. That's part of the obligation of you know having an, an excellent rating is that they're regarded as lighthouse services that are shining their light on others um, obviously you'd need to contact them in, and um, arrange a mutually convenient time to visit but I've even taken people from interstate to our Victorian excellent services so they can see what we do here and you know they they often are just blown away they've never thought of doing something like that. So just as an example, uh, Jindy Waraback out at St Albans, they they do some amazing things out there and I can't even begin to describe some of the things they do, but one time when I was visiting, they have quite a large foyer and so they had a giving tree in the middle of the foyer and people had who had toys that their children had outgrown or clothes they'd outgrown or um, excess lemons or whatever. They would put them all under the giving tree and people would just take what they needed and bring something else back. It was a really lovely connection to community and um, another service that I visited, uh, a local fellow um, had a little garden that he'd uh, had actually sown in the grounds of the childcare service, so out the front, and lots of veggies and th- fruit and things. And he used to set up a little stall out the front and families could come and take the produce on their way in. So, um, you know, there's lots of fabulous ideas out there and, and and often it is about reaching out. And as you said, um, professional networking is, is so valuable um, through conferences like... You know, reputable, fabulous people like the Australian Childcare Alliance and the Together We Grow conference that's um, put on every year with the state government support through um, Ella and Lady Gowrie or Gowrie Victoria and the Early Childhood Australia conferences that are held every two years. Um, These are really uh, no, I think they're held annually now I can't keep up um, <laughs> and there's also uh, an other great place to get ideas is there's a, an early childhood resource hub which is an online site that that was uh, funded by the Commonwealth Government Department of Education and there's a really good resources tab on that site and everything that's on that site is quality assured so if people are looking to upskill or find out more information about any aspect, whether it's behaviour guidance or environments or outdoor play or whatever it is that they're looking for, you can just do a search on there and find all sorts of uh, wonderful stuff. And all the old MQSE newsletters that were emailed out to services in the last few years are still available on that site. And, of course, the other thing is a CEQA. A CEQA site has got a fantastic tool that they've um, developed for services that came out this year called the self-assessment tool. And although it's optional, you don't have to use it, it does provide services with um, a way to apply and and adapt um, self-assessment to their own context. But it helps them to review the law and the regs as well as uh, to determine whether they're compliant first um, and then look at... Some of the aspects of the um, the elements and standards of the NQS. So, if people are looking for that self assessment tool, there were details in the ASEQA uh, newsletter um, issue three at the start of this year. If they did a search, they'd find it on the um, on the website. Yeah. Also, the the one other last thing that's really important is that the guide to the NQS is available online to any educator to use. It's not secret management business it's for, for anyone to read so I always say to service there shouldn't there shouldn't be any nasty surprises because everything that you're meant to be doing is laid out in the guide yes. in other words it's kind of like an open book exam you know you're going what you're going to get the best on and it mm. is overwhelming in terms of the size it's a huge document but it's the third chapter or section that which is called the Guide to the NQS or Guide to the National Quality Standard and Assessment and Rating or something. That's the one that people need to look at to find out all the nuts and bolts. And and it starts on page 85.
0: So there's lots of places educators, leaders and directors can go from conferences to reaching out to centres to the hub and newsletters. If they want to reach out to you, they can go to heatherbarnes.com.au.
1: Yes, that's right, early childhood consultant and my email address is on the site and my phone. So if people want to get in touch, I'd be very happy to talk.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. You are an absolute wealth of knowledge. Thank you, Sarah. My absolute pleasure. That was Heather Barnes talking to us on Early Learning Discussions on Little Rockers Radio. Thanks for listening. The Magic of Childhood Early Learning Discussions on Little Rockers Radio was proudly brought to you by the Australian Child Care Alliance and Little Rockers Radio. Little Rockers Radio is an online radio station for children from birth to six. We play 24 seven songs, nursery rhymes, story time, yoga, meditation and more during the day and lullabies right through the night. We're a social enterprise with 70% of all station partner profits going to our charity partners. Press play and help make a difference. Our vision every child safe, healthy and happy. Join the tribe today and visit us at littlerockersradio.com.au.